to the world of digital sound. Hey there, good people of the internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story for this week. And uh, let's just get the bullshit out of the way, shall we? This may or may not be true. Parts of, some, none, all of, may or may not be true. Is It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think it's true. And if it is or it is not, put your comment in the comment section on the promo video, which will go up on my YouTube channel, which is The Ken Burton Show. Thank you all. Okay, so I uh, hope you all had a good Christmas. I certainly did. Quiet, but it was quite good. Uh, and don't forget, by the way, guys, uh, I've put a donate button on the website for a reason. Now you're looking at me now going, you cheeky bastard. Um, guys, really, seriously, help me keep this shit going, will you? Um, so, <laughs> it's on there and, uh, you know, I know I've got Oh, shit, I just... Oh, bollocks. Oh, just smashed my hand on the oh, cabinet. Ow. Oh, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Okay, better. Need a drink now. <laughs> what a dumbass thing to do. Can I tell you just about dumbass things to do? Hold on. Mm. So um, the other day, Dan's out and uh, he's working on his car. Uh, putting a new exhaust on it this time. Something that goes pop, 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 pop. So uh, he's around at his mate's house. Okay. Now, there is a, there is, Im imagine this. There is a very, very main road, a very busy main road. And then there is a T-junction off this road. And it's quite straight. It's a straight T. And about and it's uphill. And about 200 yards up this T, that's where Dan's mate lives. And his house is just to the side of that. So the other day, I was on the way back from somewhere else and I thought I'll stop in and see how Dan's doing because he's been working on that exhaust for quite a while. So I'm in my wife's car, by the way, and I pull up outside this guy's uh, garage and open the gate. Hi, boys. How you doing? Hey, fine. Where Chat, chat, chat. I'm there for about five minutes. Right. Okay. Uh, well, you have fun and I'll see you all later. And I went out the gate, looked. Car gone. Car gone. Uh, this ain't good. And then I went, Dan? And he came out. He said, what? I said, I parked my car here. And then we both looked down the hill and went, fuck. The car had rolled 200 yards down the hill. The handbrake had obviously failed. <laughs> but very luckily, instead of rolling into this main road, it ended up on a grass verge. There isn't a mark on it. I cannot believe it. The car rolled on its own 200 yards down the damn road. Can't believe it. Look at the Irish, mate. Look at the Irish. Anyway, let's get on with this week's podcast story, shall we? <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind kind of helping out with the old donate stuff, because, as I say, that's what keeps this shit going. And uh, we've got renewals coming up. And you you know, you the faithful will know that I'm not working at the moment. So, you know, every little helps. Right. Okay, so where did this one come from? Oh, all no oh, drop chewing gum, hold on. Fucking hell. Jesus, try and get professional, Ken. Um, right, so as you know, you the faithful, these uh these podcast stories come from 
areas of my past. And if you haven't heard a podcast story before, I really suggest you go back and listen to a few of them and understand where we came from and understand what I was and what I was as a youngster. Somebody asked me the other day, how much of the, actually it was Desert Dog, he asked me, um, how much of these, how many of these podcasts are actually true? And uh, I kind of, I thought, I put a figure on it. 50% of them are absolutely word for word true. About 30% of them are true, but embellished. And 20% of them are just based on. So there are things that I heard throughout my life and I've, you know, from other people and kind of told the story vicariously through someone else. So um, that's the figure. So that's the figure. So you have to decide which of the three it is. Anyway, uh, let's get on with this one. And all names are changed, by the way, unless otherwise stated. But I can tell you this guy's name because it was a nickname. And uh, his name was Spit. Uh, yes, <laughs> genuinely, his name was Spit. Now, how did I know Spit? Right, I hung around with Dave. He was part of our guys. He was one of the boys. He uh, came out and did repos with us. He put on a suit when necessary. He carried a piece when it was required. He was a great guy. I loved Dave. Absolutely loved it. In the end, actually, me and Dave had a bit of a fallout. But um, I absolutely, you know, adored Dave. Dave was number one in my book. Now, Dave knew Kathy. And Kathy was going out with Spit. So Dave knew Kathy and Spit. I think at one point, I think uh, it may have been the case that Kathy was fostered by Dave's folks. I think. I just I can't remember the detail on it, how the connection was made. But she moved out anyway. She became 16. She moved out. She started going out with Spit. Um, but Kathy was always around at Dave's house because Dave's mum and dad was Kathy's mum and dad, if you like, you know, that sort of thing went on. So anyway, and Spit would often go with that. And Spit was a nice guy, actually. I quite liked Spit. And uh, occasionally, Kathy would turn up at Dave's house and spend the night, you know, chatting away with uh, Dave's folks, especially his mum. And Dave would bring Spit for a beer. That's how I got to know him. Okay, so Spit had uh, a couple of friends that he hung around with. Uh, I kind of knew, I kind of didn't know, I knew to say hello to. One of them was called John, the other one was called Tony, and they were kind of, you know, the three of them were really tight, very tight-knit guys. Um, were they bent? Little bit, little bit into this, into that, little bit in the motor trade. Um, they... I know that, uh, especially Tony, he was a car thief um, because I'd had dealings with him before. So Tony, John and Spit were very, very kind of low-end wannabes, basically. So anyway, this particular week, we're sitting in the pub, right? There's me, there's Dave, there's uh, the rest of the boys, and we're sitting in the pub. And uh, Spit comes in. And he's got a sweat on. Not only has he got a sweat on, he actually looks like he's pissed himself. And I remember somebody going, is it raining out? And he went, no. <laughs> and Dave went, spit, what the fuck's up? And he went, get rid of this for me. And he pulled a gun out of his fucking trousers and put it on the table in the middle of the pub. <gasps> 
The one thing you don't do is that. <laughs> you can do many things in your life. You don't do that. It's not big. It's not clever. It's likely to get everybody in jail. So anyway, uh, Dave kind of grabbed Spit and went, pick that fucker up now. Get outside, get outside. And Spit went outside, out the back, uh, to the car park with Dave. And we were like looking around, just making sure there was uh, uh, no federales in the room. Like, you know, these undercover fucking pigs they used to use. <laughs> the police, let me just tell you something about the police and come that Because people often wonder, because the police knew we were doing all this stuff, right? They, but they couldn't prove it half the time. So what they would do is they would bring somebody in from somewhere else undercover. And that usually was a young copper wanting to make a name trying to get to know us all and of course we were so fucking wary we were really tight-knit everybody knew everybody from school everybody knew everybody from the sea so you know to have somebody new come in that didn't get an intro very very rare very rare indeed so any new face it was about we called them the federales right and uh you know, we'd they would sometimes come in, sit in the pub, and just kind of look around, or maybe there'd be two of them, you know. But uh, you know, we was kind of eyes open for the Federalis because he just dropped a gun on our fucking table. <laughs> now, uh, let me tell you what this gun was. It was fucking huge. <laughs> I've, I've no. Uh, recollection as to what it was at the time but I do remember that it was massive this thing was like I mean it was a pistol it just looked like a really badly made pistol I've never seen one since I've never wanted to see one since certainly never want to come near one close up but it just it seemed to me as though it took a, a round probably bigger than a 45. Yeah, I know, bespoke, but it seemed like it was either Russian or maybe somebody somebody afterwards reckoned it was Latvian. Uh don't know really what that's about, but apparently um during the war uh Latvia had or uh, well Latvia got very involved with um the uh, Nazis and uh, there was all sorts of shit and collaboration going on between Latvia and the Nazis it, it, Latvians uh, th there was a whole group of Latvians that uh, kind of got together with the Nazis and uh, uh, basically killed a lot of their own people you know did a lot of this mass grave stuff <clears throat> and they manufactured weapons at that point and this gun they reckoned was Latvian. Well, I never see anything like it. I mean, I really hadn't. So anyway, uh, what does it look like? It looked like, oh god, what did it look like? It just looked weird. It it took a, it took a magazine, um, sort of. It had a handle, and then the barrel, and then the magazine went into the handle. No, sorry, it didn't. The magazine went into the barrel, not the handle, into the body of the gun. It was kind of, it was really weird, but it was huge. Anyway, um, so this gun had been dropped on the table. We're looking around for the Federalis, going, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on? And then uh, I said to the rest of the boys, keep your eyes open. I'll go outside and see what's going on. So I went outside. Dave's out there with Spit. 
and they're having a bit of a row, obviously. And Spitz panicking like, fuck, he is just out there, you know. And I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And Dave said, this twat has only just used this fucking gun on blue, hasn't he? Now, he used the gun on blue, which means that he's basically blue was the police. So, you know, it was what we called the police uh, at times. Uh, if we wanted to, you know, it went through various things. Sometimes you'd, you know, the, uh, the pigs, the filth, um, you know, porkies around the corner and all. Yeah, and at one point we started calling them blue. I don't know why, but we called them blue. And uh, anyway, he said he's only fucking shot at blue with this thing. And so I was like, fuck me, you dickhead. So anyway... I, I said to the boys, right, okay, so what are you can do with this? And uh, Spitz going, we've got to get rid of it, got to get rid of it. I said, look, mate, if you've if you've unloaded this fucking thing on blue, then they are going to be surrounding the area. Everywhere is going to get fucking raided really quick. How long ago was it? And he said about half an hour ago. Right, okay, so we need to get rid of this for a start. So off we go. In my car, yeah, I know, well, fortunately it wasn't actually my car <laughs> you have to be really delicate when you talk about these things um i was the driver <laughs> so three of us in my car and uh off we go up towards uh stoke area to go and uh, get to the canal uh best place to dump in anything is in the coventry canal <laughs> Uh, because it was shit and it was really badly maintained. So off we went past the uh, old football ground. Uh, football ground's moving now, of course, but in the old days, football ground was uh, right in the in the heart of a really shitty area. So uh, we went past football ground, up the road, down the road, and then came across the bridge. And by the bridge, there you go. Best place to park up uh, next to... A, it was an industrial works. I don't know if it's GEC could have been there was an industrial works with a path next to it and uh parked on the path got out put this gun wiped it down obviously put this gun in the canal so uh we then get back in the car and then we head back to the pub and spit starts to tell his story and it <laughs> so him and kathy right uh Spit's been talking about wanting to get together, renting a flat and, you know, maybe getting engaged, having a party, going on holiday. The only problem is Spit is a fucking grunt in a warehouse. He does nothing for a living. He I actually worked in a tyre warehouse, uh, which was very well known. It employed people very, very, very high turnover of staff, that place, uh, because they paid really badly and the work was really hard. So anyway, uh, so he worked in the tyre warehouse and uh, he was never going to get the money together, you know. He was just, it was never going to happen. So him and I believe it was him and Tony and John had made this idea that they could take out a supermarket van. Uh, now, what they did back in the day, a lot of them did this. The supermarkets, at the end of each day or week or three or four days or whatever, you'd need to know the rotor. They would uh, basically t get the manager, put him in the back of a supermarket van, and he'd drive over to the bank with all the takings. 
All right. Uh, this is before the days of Securicore and, you know, G4 and all that shit. And uh, this is what he used to do. And it used to be very expensive to, uh, you know, employ security. So anyway, that, that was the way it worked. The manager would usually go and drop the money in the night safe. Now, the night safe was like a drawer outside the bank. And you just open the drawer, put the money in, close the drawer. And that's it. It goes through a tube, through a tube. And, you know, so anyway uh this was usually the plan and uh for whatever reason spit john and tony had managed to get the rotor of this particular supermarket's run and they knew that the run was every three days it was roughly around twenty thousand pounds something about that now twenty thousand quid back then i guess you're talking the equivalent of 50 grand now probably but it was worth a punt, you know, it was worth a punt. So what they did was they managed to get the uh, uh, get the schedule and they waited outside the supermarket. And sure enough, supermarket van. So all they got to do is deal with the driver of the supermarket van and uh, the manager who'd be in the back of the van. Uh, I mean, not very covert, is it really? So anyway, they're in two cars. They've got spit in one car. And they've got uh, John and Tony in the other. And basically, there's uh, one up, two back. Simple enough thing. So, uh, somebody's in the front car and he, he hits the brakes in front of the van. The van comes to a stop. It can't reverse anywhere because uh, the other's gone in the back of it and is holding it tight. And then the guy in the front car gets out, points a shooter in the window of in the windscreen of the of the van, tells him to get out, open the back. The back gets opened, the back gets taken, everybody runs away, they drop cars, uh, probably twice, and then away they go. So that it's standard thing, it's been done for years. Everyone's been doing it for years. Well, everybody in my world back in those days was doing it for years. But uh there was a slight problem. What happened was spit was in the front car. He hit the brakes after overtaking the van. The van didn't stop and hit the back of Spit's car. Didn't really matter, no big deal. Spit gets out, points the shooter at the fucking windscreen. Next thing they know, there's a bloody police car coming in the other direction. Now he's heading towards Spit's car, has seen what appears to be an accident, and then the two coppers have got out this fucking car. Spitz turned around after one of the coppers shouted and unloaded this fucking ancient piece of World War II shit at these coppers. Well, to hear the way Spit described it, definitely one of the bullets went through the windscreen of this cop car because the hole it left was just... <laughs> <laughs> probably I would imagine if it's going back that far the bullets probably made a lead uh, maybe a bit of copper in it I don't know but it's it's going to be a soft bullet so when it hits it's just, <laughs> it's just going to basically fall apart and create a lot of inbound damage rather than outbound damage which is what most bullets do so uh, anyway he's unloaded this thing and you know he's got fucking six in this <laughs> fucking gun and he's unloaded all six then he's just ran to the back of the van tried the back doors it's locked thought fuck it i ain't waiting they got in one of the cars all three of them 
massive, massive reverse out, U-turn, away they go, they're down the road. They've got to their swap point for their car, they fucking even forgot the second one, and away they went, straight to the pub, Spit comes in, drops the gun on the table. Well, I'm I'm just sitting there absolutely aghast, you know, I can't believe that they've done this in the way they've done it. And... <laughs> All right, it's unlucky. It it's unlucky that a police car just happened to be coming in that direction. But anyway, so uh, we get back to the pub. By the time we get in the pub, Blue's in there, and they're fucking everywhere. They are everywhere. There must have been fifteen of them in a black Mariah at the front and we'd come in at the back and apparently they come in with a screech of tyres and shit and just unloaded out the back firearms officers and everything absolutely everywhere and at that time guys it wasn't tactical units they did have tactical units I think but more often than not it'd just be uh, one normal everyday police officer who's been through firearms training and uh, yeah seriously and they would issue that copper with a firearm, and then that copper would go out. And they didn't, you know, they weren't wearing bulletproof vests or helmets or any padding or any of that shit that they wear these days. It was just a copper in uniform carrying a gun, you know. I mean, it was just white shirt. That, that's all it was. So the cops come out, guns drawn, and they're walking around the fucking pub. And they're looking, and one of you know, one of them is going, "Oh, I know your face. I know your face. I know your face." And one of the lads went, "I'm not fucking surprised, mate. You nicked me enough times." And anyway, this copper grabbed him by the fucking scruff of the neck, basically, and and just said, "Are you being fucking funny? You want to fucking come outside, you fucking gun?" And the, this guy's going, "Whoa, back off, back off, fucking five o, back off," and. <laughs> They were just absolutely, and I think I'd seen it happen before, you know, because a cop got shot in Coventry once and the place just fucking erupted. Everybody got nicked, everybody. I mean, there were so many of us got nicked. There weren't enough holding cells and they, they took us in a church. They just held us in a church and it was mad and then brought us in one by one for interviews. It it's just madness. Anyway, look, so five hours wandering around the pub they come over to where we are. I'm sat with Spit, Dave, and the rest of the boys. And this copper looks down at Spit and he says, you look really guilty. And Spit's going, no, no. And then he starts fucking sweating. Oh, for fuck's sake. So Spit gets taken for a walk and he's out in the car park. And I'm looking at Dave, he's looking at me and we're both thinking... Oh, fucking hell. How much is it going to take for this kid to crack? How much? And if it does, what are we in for? Disposing disposing of a weapon. But, oh, I don't know. And he, he can point out where we dropped it and everything. Oh, for fuck's sake. Anyway, about 20 minutes. Spits outside. And Kathy comes in the pub. And she's like, come straight over to Dave. I said, what's going on? He said, spits out five with the, outside with the bill. And uh, she's saying, you know, because she knows fuck all at this point. She's saying, what, what's going on? I can't get hold of anybody. I can't get hold of John. I can't get hold of Tony. I don't know what's going on. 
saying, look, Spit's been up to something, right? He's been up to a bit and he's outside now and we're just wondering whether or not he's going to spill. And she's going, no, I, I, it's, he won't spill. He won't fucking spill. And even if he does, he's, you know, he, he won't bring anyone else into it. Don't worry about it. So anyway, we're sat around there and uh, the bill had finished and no spit. Spit's been taken for a wonder. He's off down the nick. And me and fucking Dave are wondering what the fuck is he telling him? And Kathy's with us and she is reassuring us that there is no way he would grass. No way. Even if he takes a rap for it, he won't grass anyone else. And we're thinking, the gun. And he looks at me and I look at him and we just go, oh no. We went back to uh, Dave's place and uh, we got a piece of rope out of his garage and then we drove back to the canal. And roughly where we'd thrown it, we went in to retrieve it and take it to somewhere else. <laughs> Do you have any idea how fucking disgusting Disgusting that canal was. <laughs> we are trying to decide which one of us is going in. And Kathy's going, oh, I ain't going in, I got a dress on. <laughs> Talk about sexist. What is that about? So Dave says, Who's the best swimmer? <laughs> The canal is probably only eight foot deep. It's probably two feet in mud at the bottom of it. There are shopping trolleys, bicycles, bits of dead body. <laughs> fucking everything in that canal. <laughs> oh, God. So what we did was we had no choice. We did rock, paper, scissors. I lost. I put a rope around my waist and slowly lowered myself into the disgusting, disgusting, freezing cold water of the canal and started diving down roughly around the area where we dropped the gun. Now we're fortunate in that canal wasn't very wide and we knew roughly where it had hit. We knew roughly where to get it. And sure enough, my first dive down, I came up with it in my hand unfucking believable went to the riverbank got my clothes off <laughs> put some other clothes on oh that we brought with us and uh i headed back for the to the flat i put my clothes in a black bag and just headed back to my flat so we're heading out to the flat and uh just as we pull up there's a fucking police car in the car park of my flat my block and I'm thinking, that's it. He's fucking turned. I cannot be found with this. Cannot in any way, shape or form be found with this. We turned tail, heading in the other direction. We needed a safe spot. So we went down to uh, a, a bloke that used to, we used to buy the guns off. <clears throat> he, he would decommission guns uh, and then recommission them. <laughs> 
for us. I don't go get chewing gum. Oh dear. So uh, anyway, we took it to him, and we said, uh, "Can you um, turn this into fucking scrap metal for us?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." And even he didn't know what it was, and he was an expert. Um, but he was the one that came back to us afterwards and said he'd looked it up and he thought that it was the Lat- it was Latvian. But anyway, um, we left it with him. He turned it into um, Swarf, basically, uh, and absolutely destroyed it. He he put it onto a milling machine because uh, he had you know he had a shitload of kit. But he turned put it onto a milling machine and basically just turned the thing into Swarf. So the gun does not exist anywhere in the world now. So anyway, um, we went back to my flat and the cop car had gone. So we went in, I'd done my clothes, got changed, got sorted out, had a shower. <laughs> a few of the boys are back at my flat, Kathy's there, and uh, we're all waiting for the callback from Spit. You know, we're all waiting to find out where he's going. And Kathy's on about, well, I, I should go down the nick, really. You know, if I go down the neck, I'm going to talk to them and, you know, maybe we can see what's going on, see if uh, he needs a lawyer or whatever. And uh, so as far as we knew, he hadn't even made his one phone call. Now, that can mean one of two things. Either uh, he doesn't need it, in which case he's doing all right, or uh, they won't allow him to have it. And the, the reason why a cop won't allow you to have your one phone call is in case you might alert somebody who would then go on to destroy evidence or whatever. So it could have gone either way. So we had a few beers. We left it till morning. We all got up, made a few phone calls. Spit's not been in touch with anybody. And then doorbell rings and it's John and Tony. And uh, we're like, fucking hell, you know, have you heard anything? And they're like, no, no, absolutely nothing. We, We thought you might have heard something. And so we sat down, we talked to John and Tony about, you know, what had gone on and, you know, how unlucky it was that, you know, this had happened and stuff. And uh, it was, you know, what sort of a problem it was going to cause in the future and, you know, how you should never unload on a cop, you know, Um, throw the gun at them even just (laughs) just don't fucking unload on them. Just just, you know, take your chances and run. And uh, they agreed and they, they explained it to us and they said that it had been a fucking botch and it had been a cock up, you know, uh, how they'd, uh, they'd only really done it. And they were going to do a, um, a kind of 50, 25, 25 split on it because Spit needed the money. And then, you know, the, he wanted it so he could take Kathy on holiday and get engaged and all this. And of course, she's in tears now because she's for she's finally discovered why he'd done it and uh it was all for her and uh then it happens then we get the phone call and it's dave's mum spit's been on the phone he's outside the nick they've released him can somebody go and get him and dave went down dave went down to get him brought him back to our place my flat and then we sat down and we talked and he didn't give him shit He didn't give him anything, absolutely nothing. That's what he told us, and I must admit, I questioned whether or not I wanted to believe it, but it turns out that that was the case. We never got any backlash on it afterwards. We never got anything, nothing at all. And then, like, a couple of days after that, I developed a ridiculous illness from the canal. And, uh... 
it was fucking horrible. It was, <laughs> it was like, uh, I don't know what it was, but it lasted about 10 days. I was puking and shitting and I couldn't fart in case I took a shit. It was terrible. I don't know what the fuck it was, but I ended up in hospital for about a week because of that. They fucking owed me for that. They really did owe me for that. Bastards. So Spit went off and uh, eventually Spit did get a different job. And Spit and Kathy, I do remember, did get engaged. Uh, whether or not they went on holiday, I don't know. Dave carried on doing Dave things and carried on working with us and was a great guy, you know. John and Tony I met up with on the odd occasion uh, through various things, met me in pubs, met me in clubs, say hello to, say goodbye to. But Kathy and Spit went off in their own separate way. And, you know, when you think about it, it really wasn't worth it. That in the end, they managed to survive without the money. They didn't need the money to do what they wanted. They just, they just found themselves impatient. And that's why they did what they did. But I think it was a good result. I don't think it was a bad result. I think if if it hadn't been that, even if, if Spit had been successful at what he'd done, he would have done it again. And as it happens, he never did do it again. And he never did anything like that again. And him and Kathy went on to have a great life. And there's a lesson learnt in there somewhere. Fate has a plan for all of us, I think. And for him, it was... A good one. And that's it. Hope you've enjoyed this one, guys. This has been Ken. This has been the Kev Burnett Show podcast story. And I will see you on the dark side. You will take care now. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Oh, sister.